Big things have small beginnings. How far would you go to get what you came all this way for? What would you be willing to do? Anything and everything. What's drinking too, I'd imagine? Here's mud in your eye, pal. Hey, yo, welcome to episode 8 of In Madness Pod. It's Sean the Butcher here with Vertebrae 33. Hello, everybody. How you doing? What's up, Sean? How you doing today? It's so good to be back talking about stuff in our lives before we crack the mic, getting ready to take care of business. When we crack the mic on, it's good. I like having this as a big source of entertainment for me for the week. And anyone who's been listening on the socials at In Madness Pod, uh, at In Madness Pod at gmail.com, we got the YouTube page going now. So subscribe to the YouTube. We want to hear from you. Leave a comment, leave a like on any of our posts, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. If grandma, grandpa using the Facebook. Do people still use the Facebooks? I listen, man. A lot of people, yes, you'd be surprised. A lot of people still use the Facebook. What about my MySpace? Can we Yeah, right? I can't even I can't even remember my <laughs> old MySpace. No, I appreciate everybody uh tuning in and this it's weird to say because we were super excited about uh, movies we've done already and ones that are coming in the future. And we keep saying it over and over again. But when we decided to do this podcast, movies like this one were one that I thought of almost immediately. I think you and I have talked about this movie a little bit back in the day, but never in this format. And we didn't, you know, pre-discuss this at all. So I do no. have, I did get a couple well-placed texts from you, but not giving anything away. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Just my overall notes. I'm like, I have eight pages of notes. And just so you know, the majority of about them are probably about this. <laughs> so I guess we'll, we'll get into it. It's uh, for Prometheus, 2012's Prometheus. Um, I know we talked about how we were going to handle the alien universe and we ultimately decided to start here and work our way through chronologically is my favorite way to do things yes and and obviously alien itself is heavy lifting and i didn't know if i had the chops yet for that might be our first double episode if we get there or maybe we'll have a double episode before that absolutely um so this is Director Ridley Scott's return to the Alien franchise. And if I have to say who Ridley Scott is to anyone, they probably should turn the podcast off. No, just kidding. We'll tell you anyway. But, you know, Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven. um, um, The list goes on and on. Amazing, amazing. Um, And he returns to the Alien universe after 30 years of being being away from it. Um, And he certainly wanted this they set in for this to be kind of a prequel to alien. Um, and I think it kind of changed along the way and we'll, we'll definitely discuss that on how this movie kind of changed from a prequel, but written uh, writer was John Spates and Damon Lindelof, who was one of the writers of lost came into in the production uh, production designer, Arthur Max, the creature visual effects designer is a legend in Neil Scanlon. So this movie is a ton of practical effects sean's favorite practical effects That's just how you know it's the best yeah i mean there's a lot of effects in the movie in general but ridley 
likes to do as much as he can in camera and then embellish as he goes on. So Neil Scanlon worked on Sin City, The Mist, um, and then a, a bunch of other movies like Labyrinth and worked his way up till he was kind of, you know, visual effects supervisor. And he went on to be that for Rogue One and all the movies in the Star Wars prequel series. So heavy hitter there. Soundtrack. Mark Streitenfeld, uh, Robin Hood, The Grey. He recently did soundtrack for Raised by Wolves. I don't know if you've seen that TV series. So, no, but I have been watching lots of King of the Hill, and every time it's on Hulu, so every time there's a commercial, it's the same commercial over and over and over again. And one of the commercials is for the guys who make the theme songs for these shows, mm-hmm. and Raised by Wolves is one of the shows featured on that theme song. Uh show it's very cool i want to check it out i forgot the oh name wow of it. but yeah, yeah raised by wolves is an incredible tv series it got canceled by hbo max cost-cutting measures but i would go on record as saying that it's probably the best science fiction television show of all time damn uh i don't count star wars in that because that's a fantasy sci-fi <laughs> fantasy it's a different it's a different category so i'm not sliding the mandalorian but incredible show um all right so let's get in the cast really quick it's Numi Rapace, I'm going to say, is Shaw, Elizabeth Shaw. Shaw. Yep. Logan Marshall Green, Charlie Holloway, your buddy. Michael Fassbender is David. Charlize Theron as Meredith Vickers. Idris Elba as Yannick. Coolest. Guy Pierce in some crazy old man makeup as Peter Wyland. Um, and there's a huge, before we even get it, just cute uh, couple production notes. There's a really long making of documentary called Furious Gods Making of Prometheus. I recommend anyone who's in this movie at all watch it. Um, directed by Charles uh, D. Lazarica. I got to say that correctly. Lord. Yeah, he worked on the Alien Anthology box set, Blade Runner Final Cut. He was kind of a guy who worked on these Blu-rays and DVDs with Ridley. And he made an amazing Blade Runner documentary called Dangerous Days, which we'll get into when we get to Blade Runner. Um, So that that documentary is like it's longer than the movie. It's over three hours long. So but it's just it's just chock full of just tons of gnarly bits. So uh, I don't know if you want to head in head into the movie and I can ready to go. Yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, because I'm going to have questions right off the bat. So uh, we see Earth from space. We're drifting through the clouds, beautiful, vast mountains. I'm guessing this is land before the time of man, correct? Yes, and filmed in Iceland. I was going to say Iceland or Scotland. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, Giant shadow in the sky. It's rolling through the canyons, and then it hovers above this massive waterfall. So we see a man with a cloak. He looks like a Jedi. I'm sure that you thought that as well. <laughs> uh, he's walking up to the waterfall. And we get a shot of his face. And he's human, but he's not human. He's massive. His features are sharp. His skin, he's like paper white. Uh, he, uh, he places a half a sphere looking thing on the ground. It's like this mm-hmm. little device. And he takes off his cloak and he's cut. Schwarzenegger and Predator cut. <laughs> Six pack. He's got the pecs and everything, muscles, abs, the whole nine yards. Uh, so he opens this sphere and in it's this small cup. It's like an acidic looking substance. It's like fading away. It's moving around. It's gloopy. 
like this living organism. It's creepy as hell. A lot of black goo in this this movie. Yeah, black goo is what it is, essentially. Um, so this dude does what anyone would do, I guess, and just takes a shot of it and he drinks this substance. So right as he drinks it, the ship it fades away. It's kind of like I'm getting the hell out of here. Uh so within three seconds, he has a pain in his gut. He drops the cup in the river. His skin begins corrupting. You see his veins turning black through his like paper white skin. Uh, and then all of a sudden his veins start collapsing in on itself. And we get this awesome shot of his like blood flowing through his body. Uh, it's turning black. It's traveling through. Uh, and then you see his DNA strands. They turn black. They snap in half. Mm-hmm. Uh and then his like skin's blowing away in the wind. Right. Dust in the wind. Yeah. Parts of his body are missing. He lets out this loud ass scream and he's leaning on his arm. I love this. This was nasty. It's always nasty. His arm snaps in half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so his body falls into the water. Okay. Once he hits the water, he turns entirely into ash and blends with the water. Mm-hmm. That begins making new DNA strands, eventually creating cells, which begin to multiply. And then we get our title across the screen, Prometheus. Very, And the title is very much like how it was done, the original opening credits to Alien, the way the letters are, are forming on the screen. I didn't even think of that. Yes, um, they slowly appear. And so let, let's jump into this really quick. We'll call him by his name because we're going to find out what his name is. He's He's what? Uh, what are wait, they called? What the engineer? Engineers, right? He's the engineer. Oh, I didn't know if he had like a bill. The engineer. no, 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 no. Oh, you, you were like I was going down the animal path. Yeah, does he have an alpaca name? Yeah, he doesn't. But uh, but that isn't that is an actor in in prosthetic makeup. So he's like seven foot two. The guy who played him, and it's just freaky because there's just rather than be a monster with tentacles, and we'll get plenty of those. It's just this weird, oversized, thicker human giant guy with you know very white and and totally ripped like you said does a lot of sit-ups um so he's sacrificing himself to seed what in the script says is planet earth in 12,000 bc okay okay because one of my questions is did they mean for this to happen yes was it an accident no this is their this is totally intentional. They So the dude knew that drinking this substance would like turn him into into that and then blend with the water to create mm-hmm. life. Okay. Yes. yes. And and obviously the whole thing will be why why have they done any of this? Why do they do this other awful experiment um later on? Uh I don't know if this is a good spot for it or not now, but I'd love to get into the at the mountains of madness Prometheus comparison list. Just go so ahead. We're going to ruin the entire movie. We're okay with ruining this. Movie yeah. 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 Let's go. Let's go. Okay. All right. So, you know, <laughs> we go deep. We're headed deep okay. We're ruin for everybody. So obviously a huge influence on this podcast. And a lot of the movies you saw is HP Lovecraft. Um, the original Alien was influenced by Lovecraft as well, and we can get into that when we get to it. So he writes this movie, he writes this book novella called At the Mountains of Madness, um, and it's written in 1931, and it's not published till 36. 
Uh, he also made a measly $315 off this book. So just just remember that when how many people have traipsed this ground over and over again. That's all he got. Um, so if we just do a quick comparison to this movie and at the Mountains of Madness, Mountains of Madness location is Antarctica. This is an alien planet. Both hostile environments, inhospitable, the whole deal, right? There's a team of scientists for both. They both start out with a geological discovery. Then an underground cave is discovered. Uh, at one point in Mountains of Madness, they fly a plane over the mountains and they find this abandoned city of cubes and cones, um, which is a very alien human architecture. So we get that. And in this movie, we get the ampule room and other places like that with with that kind of weird things going on. Um, in, in Madness, it's the elder things. In this, it's the engineers. They both make something as a tool that backfires. In Madness, it's the Shagoths. And this, in this, it's that black goo. Um, and in Madness, their relationship to the Shagoths is explained as they do kind of their work and they can take on different forms and, and different forms of thinking even. Um, they both die at the hands of their creations. Uh, it is implied that the Elder Things made humanity. In this, we outright say it um and then there's survivors in madness it's dire and danforth and in this it's sean david so we we're we're following this pattern and i say this just to kind of pick out other things in the movie you like but there's certainly a structure here that comes from at the mountains of madness and since this is the in madness podcast we can't we can't that let that. I mean, it's all one thing. It all comes together. Yeah. Right. And we can get into later on if we want about just how Lovecraftian besides that structure, this movie is because um, there's sort of a lot of for as much as as many things as we don't know, there's a lot of explaining in this, too. Sometimes it's a little menu like. Yeah. 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 But. But I All appreciate right. it because, like I said, I'm slow and I don't get the clear point of things as they go on. Now that now everyone's going to tune out because they're going to be no. told us the entire movie. No but way! Should have um, known it already. If you haven't seen Prometheus, I mean, this show is fuel for you to go check out amazing movies. I got friends who were like, "I didn't listen to Lighthouse because I never saw Lighthouse." It's like mm. you should go check out the movie and listen to the podcast. And by the way. What you never asked is, do I have the Prometheus soundtrack on? Ah, uh, yeah, I I do. I have it behind <laughs> me. I also have out at the Mountains of Madness on vinyl from uh, Phenomenal Cadaver Records. Put it out, and it's this huge box set of that as well. So um, check them both out. The soundtrack is great, great listen. Mondo, I think it's hard to find now, but years ago they put it out. Um, all right, let's jump back in. So we have the creation of man, yes. which which you have now informed me was not an accident. So we cut to our archaeologists digging. They're in the Isle of Skye in Scotland. Shaw's looking around like she just uncovered something. They go and get Dr. Holloway. Ugh. Come quick. So he goes, he runs up to the mountains to this huge hole in the side of the mountain. They have found a 35,000-year-old painting inside of a cave. Clearly, Holloway does not seem all that impressed to me, which just makes me think he sucks. 
so Shaw moves her flashlight to show an image painted on the wall of a giant being pointing to the stars at what looks like, what is it? Six dots, moons, planets. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, now Holloway seems to care. Uh, it's the same configuration. It predates the others by a millennia. Uh, and then now Shaw thinks that they want to be found. Right. And we, we're in Scotland. This is 2089 that this is taking place. Um, but I, I will say, because let's, let's get to Holloway real quick on, on something. He strikes me, and, and I'm going to stick up for him later on. But he strikes me as this really smart guy mm. who's had a, just a lot of easy things happen for him. Mm. He's, he's, he's arrogant, and he comes across that way in a lot of ways. Uh, but he strikes me as somebody who he's super smart, but he just just kind of falls ass backwards into discovery after discovery. And I think, you know, his arrogance shows, um, but I think he gets super human, not superhuman, but later later on. <laughs> and I'm going to explain that to you. He gets more human than he is right now. More human than human? More human than human. I'll reserve my judgments on Holloway till later. <laughs> so we cut to the ship in space. It's Prometheus, crew of 17, heading to an undisclosed location. Doors open, and here comes David, our robot. And it's 2093. It's So it's four years. It's four years later. And just for comparison, Alien was in 2122. Okay. Okay. So uh, Ridley wants to make a prequel, but it's set pretty far in advance but all right uh david he's tending the ship while the humor uh, the humans are in hypersleep uh he puts on this weird helmet he goes over to shaw's pod where she's asleep uh, and he gets to watch her dream and she's dreaming about her dad talking about her dead mom she's asking where dead people go her dad says it's a beautiful place and she's like how the hell do you know yeah super creepy he goes it's what i choose to believe so then David's walking around the ship. He's checking if there's any response to their transmission. There's none. I like this part where he's riding around on a bike with one hand while shooting a basketball, yes. which I wrote here in my notes is ironic because this whole movie, he is dunking on people. <laughs> I'll get into that later. So he's riding around, spinning a ball on his finger. Do you like David already? Or are you, are you anti-David? I mean, listen, there's, they always make these androids have a certain personality to them. I I do like David. I, I do think, though, I don't know if he's dunking on people. I think he might be a sad little boy, and we can get into that because his quote-unquote dad kind of comes out swinging at him. But um, in the in the commentary, and we'll get into this later, but Ridley Scott refers to him as a robot, an android, and then just throws out, replicant which was like okay you just threw out a blade runner reference in your commentary and is this the same universe and we can we can we can go down that path later on but um yeah i'm not hating david i mean i i think certainly looking in on our dreams is pretty creepy yes uh he he has parts that you shouldn't like about him however him beefing with halloway had me rooting for him this whole movie even though he is clearly evil but i won't ruin the entire thing yet we cut to david he's eating his strange looking robot meal he's i don't know why he's eating 
I mean, he's got it's fuel, probably. I'm sure like he's got to run on something. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I want to know what he's eating because it looks very interesting. I want to get some of those props. Yeah, a lot of movie props in here. Like I want one of these coffee cups or one of these bowls or yeah. Uh, He's learning another language. He's watching his favorite movie. I do not know the name of the movie he is watching. Do Lawrence of Arabia. Ah, so he's watching Lawrence Arabia and he's emulating Peter O'Toole uh, in the movie, he, and they're doing the matchstick thing. Yep, the trick is yeah. not minding that it hurts. <laughs> uh, and that dude in the movie has blonde hair, so David is watching the movie. He's bleaching his roots, and that's he, the trick of the whole movie. By the way, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. not minding. David is just going to keep moving forward with what he needs to do, much like Ash in the original Alien, no matter what, not minding. And him and Ash do the similar thing because they both turn the monitor. Yeah, He's combing his hair. He's reciting the lines to the movie to himself. And then the whole ship stops and the alarm starts going off. Destination, destination threshold. He heads to the front of the ship. He opens up the hatch viewing window and we see a planet. And already David looks stoked. He goes to get Ms. Vickers, but her pod is empty. He follows her wet footsteps to another room and soaking wet Vickers is there doing push-ups. Yeah, what a way to come out of hypersleep. Yeah. Two years of sleep and I'm coming out doing push-ups. She's not throwing up. No. She's got nothing ready to go. One of my favorite characters, Vickers. She screams at David, robe. Oof. Okay. Rough and tough already. Uh, he gets it for her. He informs her it's been two years, four months uh, since they've been in hypersleep. And she asks if there were any casualties. And I don't know if he calls her mom or ma'am. Yeah, I could. I, I think it was ma'am. Just his accent? Yeah. His robot accent? Yeah, somebody let us know. Email us at at in madness pod on the there. socials. <laughs> uh, either way, she hates him. She hates him. Uh, she's like, go wake everyone up. Why is she there? Vicar? Yeah, why is she on this trip? Because she'll be damned if somebody's flying around outer space looking for aliens while she sits in a board room. Uh, we'll get to that later. She's asked that. She's right. asked that later in the movie. But yeah, yeah. She wants to go on a trip too to outer space. Yeah. And maybe bang the pilot. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Such a weird part. Of the yeah. Shaw wakes up. She's puking everywhere. Poor Shaw. Uh, David is comforting her, letting her know her mind and body in her state of shock. Everyone's eating breakfast. Vickers walking around, sizing everyone up, meets the pilot. He's putting up the Christmas tree. She is not happy about this Christmas tree. So is this a Christmas movie? I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. Is it like the diehard question? Maybe, maybe. Uh, it's the only Christmas reference. I mean, no, there's one more later on. Yeah, uh, and then we get into the new year. We're starting the new year, too. So yeah, I think it's through. I, you're, it's... That's another one. Do you think Prometheus is a Christmas movie on the socials at Id Madness Pod? Uh, he says, you need the holidays to know the time's still moving. Uh, she's already looking at him like she wants to bang him. Just saying. Uh, and then we meet <laughs> our biologist 
who's trying to introduce himself to uh, the redhead with the mohawk, Fifield. Um, I didn't get the biologist's name. They say yeah, that's uh, Milburn. Milburn. Uh, Fifield doesn't want no part of Milburn. No. Uh, then we cut to our mission briefing. Vickers is welcoming everybody to the ship, kind of letting everyone know that she's the boss. Sort of. Momentarily. Yeah. So then we cut to this 3D video, and here comes Wayland, the W of Wayland, the man in all of represented in the alien right. universe. The Wayland of uh, Wayland, uh, Wayland Utani. Yeah. Corporation. This is this is our guy. He's their employer. He tells them he has recorded this video long ago and that he is already long dead. He introduces the crew to David, who is his son, the closest thing he'll ever have to a son. And Vickers looks pissed. I mean, he, he says a beautiful thing to him. And then right afterwards, he just destroys him. And we get our heel turned by David at this moment, I think. He is not human. He will never grow old. He will never die. Uh, yeah, and, and he, he does, does not have a soul. Does not have a soul. He's also a weird thing, and maybe this helps you dislike Holloway even more, but only him and Holloway are wearing flip-flops in this meeting. I don't know why it threw me <laughs> off. So they're the point. only two who came to the meeting in flip-flops. I, I, mean, I don't know. It's a relaxed atmosphere on the on the ship, I guess. There's definitely some some arrogance to Holloway, and, and there's an example of it right there. Mm. Come to your big meeting in in flip flops, this this video, by the way, Ridley Scott says was would have been filmed on Mars. So that's Wyland Whalen's um, place on Mars in the back. Okay, video, and he's got Wait. that cute little dog with him. Yeah, the little dog running around him. It's cool. It's a cool three D projection. Uh, I like the way that that was done. I, up till that point, I really hadn't seen anything that cool before. Uh, but Whalen is always asked, "Where do we come from? What is our purpose? What happens when we die?" Uh, he introduces Holloway and Shaw and says they're in charge. Hmm. It, Vickers looks pissed again. She gets no respect on this ship whatsoever. No. Uh, he then tells us the story of Prometheus, which you, Vertebrae, educated us about on our episode of Lighthouse. Right. So go back and listen to that. You can get yeah. all the info you need. Uh, it's about how Prometheus stole fire to give mankind equal footing with the gods, and he was cast out from Olympus. Uh, and and Wayland says the time has come for his return. So Shaw and Holloway take over the floor. Holloway puts this little like it's the puzzle box from uh, Hellraiser on the floor. He pushes it's like a, a Rubik's little, cube, and yeah, it's like a little. He pushes a cool little button, and it projects this big wall of images for everybody to see. Uh, and these are pictures of archaeological digs from all over the earth. Ancient civilizations separated by centuries, no contact with one another, but they all have the same picture that they found in the beginning of this giant being uh, pointing at a series of stars. And the only system that matched was so far away, there was no way anyone could have known about them. Uh, but it turns out that system has a sun, and there seems to be a planet with a moon capable of sustaining life. And they just got there. Yes. And this is the moon is uh, LV 233, the original alien movie. It was LV 426. So we know right away that it's not the same place that was the original alien. I think 
as the script went along, it, it originally started out that it would be the same exact place. And we would sort of find out what happened to that ship in that movie and that space jockey. Um, but this change that the script went along and made, they made it a completely different place. I so it's not okay. That was going to be my question at the end then. Okay. Yeah. So they okay. tell you right off the bat LV 233. It says it on screen. So, um, and that's where this story goes from straight prequel to more of one of creation. Okay. And we want to get into our two big mysteries. Where are we from? And what's the deal with that space jockey that we saw in 1979 in Alien? Yeah. Uh, Fifefield isn't having it. He doesn't know why they're there. He's like, we're here because of a map you guys found in a cave. <laughs> and she's like, it's not a map. It's an invitation. An invitation from whom? The engineers. And who did they engineer? They engineered us. Fife's like, bullshit. <laughs> biologist laughs like do you have any proof to back it up how do you know and shaw says it's what i choose to believe which is really interesting because her necklace the cross plays a big deal into this movie for her which so this idea of engineers seems to kind of not work with that at all and i'm wondering if that's just a connection to her father and that's why she has it, and she has her own beliefs. I what mean, do you think? she also said at the end, well, where do they come from? Yeah. Yeah, so, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I think she's still, uh, yeah, immortal after all. Somebody's got to be God at the end. Somebody. <laughs> uh, but after she says, it's what I choose to believe, we zoom in on David's face because he remembers that line from her dream. Yeah. Uh, then David brings Holloway and Shaw to Vickers. Because she wants to talk to them. Shaw finds a med pod and starts playing around with it. And Vickers is like, could you please cut that out? <laughs> this is my private quarters. Stop touching stuff, kids. Please. <laughs> Shaw's like, it gives bypass surgery. What do you need it for? And Vickers is like, eh? Yeah. Uh, listen, I think you're confused about what's going on here. Waylon funded this mission, but I think your engineers are savages in caves. Uh, and if you do find them, you will not talk to them. You will do nothing until you report back to me. So slick-ass Halloway wants to know if there's an agenda. And Vickers is like, uh, my company paid a trillion dollars to get you here, and you didn't raise the money yourselves, so you're just our employees. So Sean Halloway are pissed. She's like, why? Sean's like, why would you bother to bring us? And Vickers says that Waylon was superstitious and wanted a true believer on board. Yeah. And 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 David is, while they're doing this, is pouring this incredible vodka. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to figure he makes the best one to a T. I would think. Uh, cut to Holloway and Shaw. They're, they're with David. There's still no response from their transmission. So Holloway is talking to David. How are your lessons going, David? Hmm. What is your problem? What is your problem? David's like, I spent two years deconstructing ancient languages to their roots, and I'm pretty confident uh, I can communicate, provided your thesis is correct. Well, I don't think the, I don't think Holloway trusts androids. I mean, I guess, I guess, but like, relax, relax a little bit. 
And then he's offended, provided it's correct. Dave hmm. goes, yeah, that's why they call it a thesis. And he gets up and walks away. Slam dunk. Right. So Sean Except Le- David doesn't have any of the answers either. No, but that was a good that was a good mic drop for him. I, like, I, I feel like I'm I'm coming across as a Holloway apologist and, and I have to say like he, he it really annoys me throughout the entire movie, so I don't mean to come across that way. I'm just giving a, a different viewpoint on I want to hear it because I have so many pages hating Holloway. I'm gonna find if they have a figure of this, I'm gonna buy that for you. Oh my god. Or like a, there's got to be a poster, like a one sheet, which is I'll put him in the microwave. Even (laughs) when I see him as other characters in other movies now, I'm like, ugh, I don't. I hope something bad happens. Oh geez, I saw somewhere there was a review and somebody called him like uh, a dime store Tom Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew, I knew you would love that. Just so the the only other text because we don't talk about the stuff that you sent me was I text you and said. There's a lot because in preparation for this movie, I watched it three times. I read the art of book while listening to the soundtrack on vinyl, watched Furious Gods, and then went into all the extras on the uh, Blu-ray as well. And I said, wow, I think I texted you and just said, there's a lot of stuff on here. And you said, I hope there's just hours of extras of Holloway getting killed in different ways. <laughs> and that's like all you said. And I was like, oh, man, Sean hates this guy. Oh, he man. Hates this guy. I mean, he makes it so easy to hate him. <laughs> Shaw's, Shaw's laughing at Holloway. Uh, the captain lets everybody know that they're about to brace for entry. Everybody's got to buckle up. They see the atmosphere outside is like breathing through an exhaust pipe. Uh, Two minutes without a suit and you're dead. So they enter the atmosphere. Halloway sees a valley with structures in it and tells the pilot to land over there because God does not build in straight lines. Mm -hmm. And that, too, if we go back to Mountains of Madness, they talk about that architecture in there. So there's something else right there. Uh, They land right near the structure. We see a straight line. It's like five or six silos, I guess you would call them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Halloway wants to suit up and go. Our pilot's like, there's only six hours of daylight left. And he's like, it's Christmas. I want to open up my presents. See? Christmas movie. It's that's the second Christmas reference. It's officially. I mean, don't you feel it needs like three Christmas references to be a Christmas movie? At least, <sighs> I guess. You know what? I can. There's a New Year's reference. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. You're there's right. There's certainly a very. Um, there's, a, there's a baby Jesus in the movie. Oh, cute. Right? <laughs> I guess, yes, this is a Christmas movie, 100%. <laughs> this and Die Hard. We got to do Die Hard then. Uh, he And then Holloway runs by, David, you boy, you're coming with us. I want to slap him in his face. I want to <laughs> slap him in his face. Uh, even, even David gets annoyed, and he's like, I'd be delighted. So he's breaking David ball, David's balls. Uh, why are you wearing a suit, dude? And he's like, I was built like this to make you more comfortable. If I didn't wear the suit, it would defeat the purpose. Mm-hmm. Holloway goes, making you guys pretty close, huh? David goes, not too close, I hope. Slam dunk. Because <laughs> Holloway's a dick. Not even David wants to be like Holloway. It's a bu- there's a buddy movie in there. The Holloway, David. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. A buddy movie. They're like yeah. the odd couple. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, like the Rock and Samuel L. Jackson in uh, Good Guys or other uh, guys. Holloway's, Holloway's always messy. 
And David's always putting foreign substances in his drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Getting them sick. Uh, so they jump in the transport vehicle. They're heading to this structure. Fifield gets a reading on it. He says it's hollow inside. Um, structure kind of looks like a boob. Mm-hmm. It's just this big dome. Right. Um, they enter the structure and Fifield sends, what is it? His pups or his pops? Pups. Those are his pups. pups. His doggies. Yeah. They're these little floating balls and they map the entire structure for him. He's all- he's miserable and he's unhappy when he's <laughs> on the ship, but he gets really excited when he has. And these things are really cool, mapping out the whole place and solves that problem in movies of how you could keep track of a place you've never been to before. Pretty ingenious way to do that. And it looks like a kind of a video game screen when you pause and got to look at the map and they show that inside the ship. Yes. Uh, and there are 3D screen printing and like inside the Prometheus, they're using the mapping to find their way around this structure. So they enter this room with water and stalagmites, those big things coming out of the ground. Uh, the is sunlight- that stalagmites or stalactites? Which so one? stalactites, uh, T is top. Stalagmites is uh, uh, there. That's how I is. remember it. That's how I got through high school. There it is. Yeah, Love that's it. how I got through high school. That's, that's a little trick I could teach you. Um, the sunlight is heating the water. So outside it's toxic, but the air right there where they are in the structure is breathable. Something is creating an atmosphere cleaner than Earth. Right. They're terraforming is what so they, they say. They were terraforming there. Do you know what the hell terraforming is? I think it's creating a new environment for, for humans to live on. Yes. I, I hear it so many times in movies. I didn't really know what it was. And then a Superman movie recently had terraforming in it. And it basically taught me kind of what terraforming mm-hmm. was. But I felt the need. I had to look it up. Again, just so I could be sure, and yes, you are right, it is to transform a planet so as to resemble the Earth, especially so that it can support human life. That's oh, there you go. Life. See? Yeah. But I'm learning. The most, I would say, unintelligent move of all of these scientists is, well, our dials are you know switches say it's okay let let's take our helmets off it's your man it's your man holloway yeah he's like uh it's cleaner than earth rips his helmet off takes a deep breath in and he's fine so everyone takes. i I have a theory that there's something else in the air that's starting to affect their brains and that's why they start to make even worse choices kind of as they as they go along too is it the color out of space? <laughs> well, there is sparkly stuff in certain points here. Uh, so they begin walking further into the structure. David finds writings imprinted on the wall along with some goo. I love goo. Yeah. He puts the goo on his fingers and he separates them and it's like shimmering and glowing. And David is very impressed by this. Uh, he begins touching the writing on the wall like he knows what he's doing, and it sends a massive shriek through the entire structure. Everyone's freaking the hell out. Um, and then it's like static. I guess it's like a static 3D image mm-hmm. of these engineers running uh, through our crew, like Ernie Hudson in Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, it like runs through them. Uh, no one knows what's going on. Everyone's freaking out. It's certainly a cool, a very cool plot device. I, I think David, though, figuring out how to just touch these inscriptions on the wall right away and do things is pretty is pretty wild. Like he's just hacking this wall almost immediately. 
Um, there's no reaction to, from anyone that the walls like lighting up as he touches it or any, nobody. Yeah. Could, they just have their helmets off and they're having a big party and nobody's paying attention to the party. <laughs> nobody's paying attention to the Android. Yeah. Uh, we see a static image of one of these big engineers fall down and then the door come down and close. They walk over to the spot and there's the engineer laying on the floor with his head decapitated by the door. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, Holloway confides in David. Can you please read what's on the wall? Fife feels like, nah, I'm out of here. I'm a geologist. I love rocks. You love gigantic dead bodies. Since I have nothing to contribute in the gigantic dead body arena, <laughs> I'm going back to the ship. He convinces the biologist to go back with him. Congrats on meeting your maker. Yeah, two dopes that can't find their way right back right away anyway. <laughs> and I did find it incredibly ironic that the mapping guy is the one who gets lost. Yeah, where are the pups? <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? Where are the pups? Maybe that's the maybe that's what's in the air. So we'll get to it. They begin to carbon date the uh, dead engineer on the floor. They say it's 2,000 years old. David begins touching the wall to open the door, and they're like, no. Then they notice. They're like, no, please wait. Stop. And boom, he opens it up. And he yeah, goes, oops. Yeah, he goes, whoops, sorry. <laughs> but he's not. He's not sorry at all. I 100%. Okay. All of the research he was doing while they were in hypersleep, I think fully educated to him to everything he needed to know. And he knew every single step he was going to take, like from the beginning. Like, yes. I feel like he knew that he was going to do everything. Yeah, I don't. I feel like he had it all figured out already. And, and I do feel like so if we take that one step further, I do feel like he wanted to play god himself and we find that out in a later film um and that though on the surface he was looking like he was doing what wyland needed and what they were doing he he had his ulterior motives throughout and i think you know if he was on the fence about it that comment about no soul kind of pushes him over and then he's looking at her dreams and she has a soul and she has memories and he doesn't have memories. And I think this just, he's going to steer this thing in the direction it needs to go for himself. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him. I, I root for the bad guy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely rooting for him over Holloway. The door opens and laying on the other side of the door is the engineer's head that got decapitated by the door. And it's in an amazing state of preservation. So they decide to bring it back. David walks in and sees a giant statue of a head in the middle of the room that he says is remarkably human. Right. And this is the ampule room, they call it, when in production. So with these containers. In There's it. all these canisters all over mm -hmm. the place. So they take a step and worms come out of the ground. And everyone's looking at the ceiling. There's a giant mural. And David notices that the canisters are sweating. And he goes to touch it. Shaw yells at him. She's like, stop. Don't touch anything. The canisters are sweating. And at this point, so am I. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, sweat, I'm sweating as well. Yeah, this is a scary room. There's nothing good can happen in this room. And this is the most Giger looking. 
space in the entire film. They've they kind of gotten away from the biomechanical in in this movie, and this is this room is very seems like a huge nod to Giger. They they um he actually came on to the production and he was there for a little bit during during production time and and um in the in the documentary they show him because I don't know if you know this but Ridley Scott can and I and I really dislike people like this because I'm an artist for a living but he can actually draw really really well okay and so he draws what they call Ridley grams which are essentially storyboards in the movie and and throughout this documentary you see him drinking a lot of red wine and drawing a lot of these Ridley Grahams. And they're amazing. They're they're so well done. But at one point in the documentary, he's just sitting with Giger at a table, and they're both just sketching. And it's like, you know, the, my nerd meter just goes off yeah. the charts. What are they we gotta, drawing? We What's happening? Post, if they have any of those, we got to post them on. Yeah, uh, I have to see. Yeah, I have to see if they have any pictures of them. But apparently he did contribute about 30 or so drawings to the production. Ultimately, they weren't used. Um, but there's definitely a nod to him in this room. Um, and with the mural and with the other thing we're about to see as well. So Holloway goes to the back of this room and he looks at the wall and he notices an image that's on the wall. And to me, it looks like it's like a crucified xenomorph. Right. And that's what a lot of people thought, although we wouldn't be getting there yet with this um but who knows what these engineers know or don't know there's also this really big green jewel embedded in a rock that's not really explained at any other part of the movie no not at all and i've gone back and looked at that a bunch of times and and tried to figure out if there was something in there like jurassic park if there's something in the amber amulet yeah David goes over to another one of the canisters. He notices a black ooze molding and shifting, kind of like the substance in the beginning that our engineer took a shot of. The canister begins leaking this black ooze, which David touches and says, organic. <laughs> the mural on the ceiling begins to change because they are affecting the atmosphere. They're ready to bail. They're bagging up the head. A storm is coming, a bad storm. The pilot they- informs What's up? They have just killed the seagull. Yeah, yeah. By by touching around, putzing with the stuff. wind. Yeah. <laughs> the winds have shifted. And Change the winds about, on us, your dog. About to get bad. Uh, the pilot informs the crew: bad storm coming. They're like, "Yeah, we need more time." And Vickers is like, "Ah, that's nice. I'm closing the doors in ten minutes, so you better hurry up." Holloway gets bummed. He's like, "This room is just another tomb." He's super upset. He's butt hurt. Poor Holloway. <laughs> Dave is there. He's freezing the canister. He throws it into a bag, and the black ooze is on the ground. And the worms that came out of the dirt are swimming around in this black ooze. Mm-hmm. So the crew hops in the buggies. They're racing back to the ship. The storm is chasing after them. It's all tense. It's crescendoing. The music is crazy. They get to the ship, and Shaw drops the head. She goes out to get it and then gets blown away in the storm. Holloway goes out to get her. The buggy flies away. Um, but him and Shaw, they're holding on to each other, and David comes out to save the day. He brings them back safely, gives them the okay sign. It's all going to be all right. And Holloway's there yelling at Shaw, you could have gotten yourself killed, compromised the mission. Hmm. David's like, are you all right, Dr. Shaw? And she's like, yes, thank you, David. Slam dunk. Yeah, and all, poor, and all for David's plan. He's working all of them in this. 
He is. He is. He's working everybody. Uh, the pilot asks, <laughs> where's Fifield and Thorburn? Uh, they're still in the structure. They're still in the cave. The pilot tells them uh, they're stuck there till the storm passes, so the dudes are pissed. Back on the ship, Shaw is inspecting the head, and they realize it's got a helmet on. Mm-hmm. So David figures out how to take it off, and there it is, the engineer's head, like the same face we saw in the beginning of this movie. And I have to say, so the first time you're seeing this movie, and all these years we've been sitting with the space jockey, and I think this is a part in the movie where some people were unhappy with it because they just figured that's what it looked like and that it wasn't a suit with a giant man inside of it. Um, it didn't bother me when I saw it. It certainly threw me because for 30 years, you think it's this creature. Um, and it's much bigger in Alien. I would think so, yeah. It's like, it's massive in Alien. And in this, it's just like seven foot, whatever you said. Yeah, he's seven foot two. I mean, they, they I think they plus him up a little with some camera tricks and and things there. But yeah, he's I didn't mind it. Huge. I didn't mind it. You didn't mind it. Yeah, I was wondering what you thought of it. it I thought it would be, I don't know. I thought it would be like an alien. Like, I don't know. I was just waiting for an alien. Like, mm-hmm. I was just waiting for something. I didn't know it would be that same dude. But I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it because so much of the movie was so entertaining and so much fun. Like, not, none of it really bothered me. Right. And especially this, especially one of the moments that changed my life forever. <laughs> but this is certainly something that people, because they built it up so far in their minds over 30 years. What is this thing? What's going on? What's the story behind the space jockey? Um, and, and it threw me. But I, I have to say... I didn't dislike it. I find the big dude, the engineer, almost a little creepier than some of the tentacle monsters because we've seen so many of them. It's just this massive human um, and kind of with dead eyes when they're when they're looking at you. So, yeah. So you see this head and there's like these new cells forming on its head. And they try to trick the nervous system into being alive. So they stick this thing in its neck and they're beefing up the pressure. The eyes start to open up and move around. But then the head starts to bleed this like black ooze. All practical effects on this, by the way, right here. So cool. The head starts pulsating. They they put it into containment. And boom, like, what is it? Scanners? Mm-hmm. Boom! The head explodes. Green goo grows. So cool. So cool. And so let's check in though. Let's let's get a Holloway check. So what is he doing? The well, 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 when the head explodes, David goes mortal after all. Mm-hmm. Slam dunk. So he what Holloway's doing is drinking during this scene. So Holloway, he's, he's yeah, this, he's got a big bottle of champagne. Yeah, this is where he's completely devastated and bummed out about why they came there, and. This is where I would forgive any other actions later on because he's just completely drunk the rest of the time. And he's had his life's work kind of pulled out from underneath him. And he's not thinking straight. He's not around for in, in that normal capacity for much longer. But uh, He takes his bottle and he leaves. He's very pissed off. Him and his flip-flops, they leave the room. Uh, Shaw takes a DNA sample of the exploded head. 
we cut to David. He's in a secure room with his weird little helmet on, and he's talking to somebody in the helmet saying, no, sir, I'll take care of it. Yes, sir. Understood. I'm sorry. Of course, sir. He ends his call. He takes off his helmet. He opens the door to leave, and there's Vickers at the end of the hallway waiting for him. And is that a pod? Is that a sleeping pod that he's standing over, that yellow thing? Because he kind of touches it at the end. With that weird helmet thing he's got on? Is that where the reveal is later on? Is that where he's sleeping? Is he Uh, in there? Oh, you know what? It could be. It probably is. He's in that. Yeah, maybe. Just getting a ton of oxygen and just being able to make it on, you know, at his age, whatever age he is, 90 something years old, probably. He's got the money to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah. And Vickers is like, what did he say, David? Well, I don't think he'd want me to tell you. (laughs) So she grabs him, slams him against the walls. I will find the cord that makes you run and I will cut it. What did he say? Try harder. Sibling rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. She shoves his face. She walks off. Uh, so David grabs this frozen canister that he took out of the structure. At the same time, Shaw is checking the DNA that she got from the exploded head, and it is human DNA. Mm-hmm. It's us. It is everything. Then David takes this gross-looking green thing covered in this black goop out of the canister. I love the look of it. It's so friggin' cool. Uh, he turns it upside down, and you see this like substance floating around inside the green things. It's amazing how quickly David <laughs> figures all of this out. I have a harder time with like packaging when I get something in a whole bunch <laughs> of packaging. Can't even open a CD from the plastic. Yeah, <laughs> and he just gets it open, and there's just these weird Coca-Cola bottles, green Coca-Cola bottles in there or something. He snaps it open, right? And I like, yeah. I love this part. Like he. He puts a small bit on his finger and then you see this tiny dot on his finger. It's all this like, Mm -hmm. like dark snow floating around in it. And I love that you zoom in on his fingertip and you see the W Wayland logo on his fingertip. So cool. So cool. Uh, And then David with our awesome line, man, big things have small beginnings. It seems mad evil. And that quote, which I didn't know till very recently while researching for this podcast, is also from that movie that he's obsessed with, Lawrence of Arabia. So this entire movie, he's just dropping quotes from that flick that he loves so much. I feel like I need to watch it now. And now he's about to take take advantage of poor Holloway, whose life's dreams have been crushed. Poor Holloway. He brings him a bottle of booze and he's got his finger stretched outward. Like when you're about to stink palm someone. It's not subtle at all. right? It's no. Weird. And even when he hands it to him, he does it in front of his yeah, face. Like, Dunk. Uh, he, he Holloway's like, pour yourself a drink. And, and he's like, uh, oh, I forgot. You're not a real boy. What a piece mm. of shit. I get it. You're drunk. You said whatever. Um, he seems to caringly ask David, do you think we wasted our time here? And he goes, that's all depends on what you hoped to achieve. Mm. It's like, we wanted to meet the engineers to get answers, to know why they made us in the first place. So David's like, why do you think your people made me? And smart ass Holloway. Cause we could pretentious dick. 
<laughs> so then he's throwing this ball around. So David scoops up the ball and he goes, imagine how disappointing it'd be for your engineers to say the same thing about you. Mm-hmm. And Holloway's like, well, I guess it's good. You can't feel disappointed. But David is. He hates Holloway. You can tell. They're yeah. not friendly by any means. Uh, not at all. Out. And and I certainly think he he may even like Shaw a little bit, too. He's tapping into her dreams, and we don't see him. Although it's a quick scene, we don't see him do that with anyone else. He certainly could be using that for his own purposes, but he, he may kind of like her a little bit. And, you know, maybe he thinks, you know, David's maybe he thinks uh, your buddy Holloway is not, not the right man for her. I don't think he's the right man. I think, I think Shaw has horrible taste in men. We'll get to that. They definitely met. They had to have met in college. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There weren't, weren't too many uh, other, other archeologists that Shaw could have, you know, find her her love in. He's the only one climbing the side of the mountain and flip yeah, flops. Yeah, yeah, being a smart ass. Uh, he has Holloway. How far would you get? How far would you go to get what you came all the way here for? And he goes anything and everything. So David goes worth drinking to. I'd imagine pours a drink for Holloway. Dips his finger right in, hands it to Holloway, and Holloway goes, "Here's mud in your eye, pal." And. Uh, clear just, allusion to the eyeball just you on. wait about eyeballs pal <laughs> next time we hang out i'm gonna just dip my finger in your drink as i hand it to you just bloop. i'm just, just like do you know the day and age we're living in right now get that shit out of here yeah even without the black goo i don't want that drink uh he shoots back the drink and david goes good health mm. slam dunk He's just dunking all over Holloway in this movie. <laughs> so then we come back to Fight Field and uh, Thorburn, I think, in the structure. Milburn. Milburn. I, 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 Milburn. I'm going to write it down, Milburn. Well, I don't have to write it down because I'm not going to be using it much longer. Uh, Fife and Milburn, they're in the structure. They happen themselves upon a huge pile of corpses of these engineers mm-hmm. who all look like they were running from something. <laughs> And it also looks like something exploded outward from inside of them. Yeah. So then we got our pilot sitting there, uh, Idris Elba. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't remember. Yannick. 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 He's sitting there playing his accordion. There's this dinging going off from the map he has on his ship from the three. Yannick. 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 I think it's Yannick. Uh, he messages Fife and the and Milburn. While they're looking at this stack of dead bodies and the feedback scares the shit out of him. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I got a ping about one click west of where you are. And they start freaking out. What do you mean a ping? He's like, whatever it is, it's not dead. It's a life form. So these dudes are freaking the hell out. What do you mean a life form? Is it moving? He's like, nope, it's just been going in and out since the storm hit bad signal hmm. is, is it still moving nope it just disappeared must be a glitch try not to bugger each other and that's it yeah good luck fellas good luck have a good night uh but then he looks at their cameras and he sees them looking at these pile of dead bodies and he looks a tad concerned 
they're like the life form is west, so let's go east. And they walk away, and I love it. Milburn's like pings and glitches and life forms. What the fuck? <laughs> I laughed out loud in the theater when I saw that. So good. Oh wait, wait. So did you saw this in the theater? Yeah, hell yeah, hell okay. yeah, hell yeah. And then immediately bought it on DVD. And then I remember when I was getting my Godzilla leg tattoo. It was like eight hours in the chair one day. So I did Prometheus and then Alien back to back, watching them while I was getting tattooed. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, I I did not see it in the theater. That'll be a running theme. You'll see it in the theater, and I'll have not. I did see it on Blu-ray. I bought the 3D Blu-ray because I had at the time I had a 3D television, um, and watched it on on there, and it was cool. I don't think. The 3D was fine. There wasn't anything that was amazing. It was that 3D depth kind of thing, which is it's okay. It's um, all right. It's all right. It's fine. There wasn't anything that came out into my living room. So that was kind of a bummer. Like Jaws 3D? Yeah. Yeah, give me something that pops all the way out into the living room. But n- nothing. Here we go. I'm getting into my favorite part where you could defend your uh, your buddy here. Oh, I think I'm done defending him. Oh, well, come on. We're getting to the best part. My coup de grab. And no, because this whole move with the... <laughs> it's annoying. Yes. Shaw's making notes to herself. She's trying to find out what made the head explode. She's wondering, was there an outbreak here? Holloway's punk ass walks in the room. He's got the rose. He's got a bottle of champagne. He was going to give it to Shaw when they found what they came here for. She's like, we did find what they came here for. The engineers were there. And Holloway is like, I know this is the most significant event in the history of mankind. But he's still being a dick. Uh, He wanted to talk to them. He wanted to know why they abandoned us. He wants answers. Damn it. He's Holloway, the smart ass. Sean's like, they were right. And she has proof. Their genetic material predates humans. We come from them. So now Holloway's convinced. He's like, oh, okay. And then just becomes the world's biggest, iconic, massive, unbelievable, awful piece of crap. I cannot wait for them to kill this dude off. <laughs> he goes, I guess you could take your father's cross off now because they made us. Yes. Ugh. I mean, I'm out. I told you before, I'm out on the Holloway defense. Uh, This scene is awkward, and I think we just want to make sure that we're not sympathetic to him in any way, shape, or form anymore, if we were at all. She goes, who made them? He's like, we'll never know. But what we do know is that there's nothing special about creation of life. Anyone can do it. All you need is a dash, a DNA, and a half a brain. So Shaw begins crying. Why? Because she can't create life. Yeah. Fucking Holloway, dude. Yeah, awful. This this is your girl. You've been with her forever. Don't you know about this information already? Why in the hell would you say something so stupid? Yes, so mean. So hurtful. He's full on spoiled brat mode, just lashing out. Yeah, just awful. No, no defense. My previous Holloway defense in those other situations were different. Get and Judge Judy. Time, Get Judge Judy. Hundred percent guilty. Where's my gavel? Sean's Where's gonna take gavel? him out. 
Where's my gavel? I don't have a gavel. I got. Oh, uh, you don't have a gavel. Do you I have got gavel? the chainsaw. I got the chainsaw gavel. Oh my god! Chainsaw. Uh, he gets the chainsaw. He's done. Ugh. He then realizes he screwed up. He comforts Shaw, tells her she's special. He loves her, and then they get to banging. She has horrible taste in men. Holloway's the worst. He says this, and then she bangs him. Why? Uh, Vickers comes into the control room. She goes to touch the map, the 3D tracker, and there's Yannick, and he screeches the accordion, scares Vickers. She's annoyed by the accordion. He's like, if you want to get laid, just say I'm trying to get laid. Mm -hmm. She's like, if I want to get laid, why would I fly half a billion miles away from every man on the planet? (laughs) And he goes, Vickers, are you a robot? And she's like, my room, 10 minutes. Mm. Slam dunk. Way to go, Vickers. We don't get an answer from her, by the way. I mean, that's that's, that's the implication. I wonder, though, because she was already up and out of the pod and doing push-ups. Oh, so you think she still might be a robot, but just a robot who has sex? Maybe. Or maybe, yeah. I mean, David's banging things, too? I mean, David's treating the Prometheus ship like the lighthouse while everyone's in hypersleep and just jerking it all over the ship. (laughs) That's just a completely different film. That's a completely different film. But I I, I wonder, there's a part of me that thought she could be, I'm going to say it, a replicant as well, because I like calling them replicants because it's very geeky to connect this to Blade Runner in any way, shape or form. But I don't know. He eats. He, you know, is exercising, I guess. I, I don't know. It's interesting. When she saw the Christmas tree, she did say, what the hell is that? And I mean, like, it's very clear that it's a Christmas tree. Maybe it wasn't in her programming and she didn't know what it was for real. Yeah. I mean, they're not given memories like replicants are in Blade Runner. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know. She's certainly not physically afraid of him when she smushes his face against the wall. No, yeah, yeah. I'm sure she thinks she could kick David's ass. Maybe. She might be. You're right. She doesn't answer. She doesn't answer. That's very interesting. Maybe they just go off and then she shows him, you know, peels her skin back. Yeah, yeah, like Terminator. Yeah, she rips her (laughs) arm off and shows the hand. Uh, Yeah. Uh, then we cut to Fifield and Milburn. They're in the tomb room with all the canisters that were leaking all over the place. <clears throat> My man Fife is coughing. And Milburn's like, is that tobacco in your suit? Is that tobacco? And Fife's like, sure, tobacco. And blows a huge puff of smoke. Yeah. yeah. It's Fife, I'm a Fife. representative for Fifield. Yeah. Fife dog is in his helmet having a good time smoking dope on another planet that is intergalactical awesomeness right there he blows smoke the guys share a laugh something begins moving through the black goo in the floor and this snake creature emerges from the goo am i led to believe that these are the worms that were in the goo earlier i would i would think so they call these hammer peds like a centipede with like a big hammer type head, I guess. Very Geiger-esque, I thought. Yeah, Geiger. Geiger, very Geiger-esque. I'm going to correct you if you get that. Every time. I'm probably going to mess it up a lot. 
There's a lot of people who say it incorrectly, by the way. I, I heard remember. somebody on a podcast the other day say Giger. Giger, wow. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> where are we headed right now? Uh, Fifield freaks out, but the uh, but Milburn is intrigued. He goes to touch it, and then another one of these things pops up. And it grabs him by the arm, breaks his arm. Fifield cuts it off. It sprays acid all over his mask. He falls into the goo. He gets up. The helmet collapses in and melts into his face. I remember that that part was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And, I, and when it happened in the trailer, I was like, booyah, that is frigging awesome. And and I want to say this right now because you have a, a lot of dislike for Holloway. I have a lot of dislike for Milburn, the world's worst biologist. They're well, in a different just goes planet. up and touches a rattlesnake, and he's cute. just like, "Oh, hey, cutie! Like, oh, what are you doing? Like, he he thinks he can charm it. I I don't even know what's going on. Um, yeah, a- awful decision. That was. There's a whole bunch of that filming of that scene on the documentary, which just is amazing how much of it is a mix of practical and CG and jumping back and forth to get what they needed. It's it's pretty cool. So then this worm thing goes into the hole in Milburn's suit. It creeps into his helmet and all the way down his throat. Nobody sees this happen because uh, Yannick is banging away on possibly robot Vickers. (laughs) So then we cut to jackass Holloway wakes up. And he goes to his bathroom mirror and his eyes are red like he was up drinking and smoking all night or banging. He's got scratches all over his body. Shaw is no joke in the sack. Oh, mom's calling. Sorry, mom. (laughs) Holloway looks in the mirror and a strand reaches out of his eyeball. It sucks itself back in. He freaks out, but he does not say a word to Shaw. Captain messages the crew. He says, uh, Fifield and Milburn are missing. They're going to go, you know, check them out, go look for him. Uh, but you guys got to fix the glitch. And David right there, he's like, uh, what glitch? Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, Captain says, it picked up a life form. <laughs> but it's a glitch. Yeah. Nobody's checking this out, like, closer. Uh, David volunteers to go fix it. Looks at Holloway and goes... Be careful, doctor. Slam dunk. Mm. (laughs) Love David. I am rooting for David this whole, even though he's the bastard. So they race to the structure. They're looking for Fife and Milburn. David's driving around the structure looking for the pup. And Victor tells David to, uh, Victor, Victor. Vickers tells David to upload his feed to her room, and he does. So he walks down the corridor. He finds the pup. And sitting at the door that's closed, David opens it, and the pup flies in and begins mapping this gigantic room. Hmm. This whole room is full of those canisters, like like urns. They're like big, slender urns loaded everywhere, like a missile silo. It's just mm-hmm. loaded, loaded up, like Punisher's arsenal. Uh, David then opens up another door. We find another room with a massive structure in it. And David turns off the camera. Yeah. Vickers is pissed. He cut me off. And 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 why? Can we get into it? What? These are weapons? I mean, it got out. 
it turned against him. The end. Yeah. So I don't what it 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 they know something's up with it. I'm I'm trying to figure out they know they have this thing and it can do I mean they fed it to that dude. They created human life. They know what it can do, but like using it as a weapon like to what turn everybody into xenomorphs? Like I don't I don't know. Like uh, what I took it as they created life and this is their kill switch. Like this is how they're gonna kill everybody. Yes. Yeah, so they just can create life, have it live for a while on, on certain planets, and then just take them out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't know how it would kill Pete. I didn't know what their end game was to kill everybody, but like what does the goo do? It just makes everybody's head explode. I mean, not necessarily. Or will it create aliens that will then a new species will take over the earth but we do get that we do get and we'll go through that life cycle when we pass a yeah 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 we do kind of get that so i don't know i don't know if they knew what they were you know knew where it would end up but certainly feels like they were about to you know, wipe out civilizations, civilizations that they created. Maybe they're done with them. Maybe they're just finished with, you know, not just the human race, maybe on other planets, there's other types of animals and creatures that they created. Maybe they do this periodically when civilizations get too out of control, they just wipe them out. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what's, maybe they're coming to visit now. That's what all that stuff in the sky is about. Maybe you never know. about to go down to land in antarctica if a bunch of black goo comes out of one of those balloons i'm out of there (laughs) i'm out don't drink it (laughs) so we got our crew on the other side of the structure holloway collapses (laughs) shaw notices that holloway is sick the crew notices all of the canisters now have the black ooze leaking out of them and they find milburn no fife no fifield Holloway is now on the ground. His skin is blue. His eyes are red like Darth Maul. And Shaw says, we have to go now. Holloway is sick. In my head, I go, who cares? <laughs> they, turn Milburn, they turn Milburn over and the worm jumps out of his mouth and then it disappears into the goo. <laughs> Which when they filmed that, I guess they, they didn't tell the actors that something was going to jump out of there. Oh, really? Yeah, so they rolled it over and they just had that pop out and got their natural reactions to it. That's funny. <laughs> uh, they want to bring Holloway back to the ship. They tell Vickers to get the ship ready. They're bringing back Holloway. He's sick. Sick with what? They don't tell her. She's like, nah. Back to David in the new chamber and he finds this massive chair. I mean, the chair looks like a huge vagina. Let's just say it. He sits well, in it. If it's a Giger artwork it was usually penises or vaginas was yes, a lot of 100 percent. the second it turned around i was like that's a giger thing but i said his name wrong when i said it oh he said geiger it's okay uh then we get another holographic 3d image it's of these engineers walking into that room sitting in their own chairs all around the room and they bring up this map of the universe it's in the middle of this massive structure in this room 
and David is watching all of this happen. He walks into the middle of the structure, standing in the middle of this projected image of, I guess, the universe. And uh, a small handheld earth comes into his hand and he grabs it. And I guess this is him having the whole world in his hands. <laughs> uh, it all shuts down. The images disappear and the room is silent. And then one pod illuminates. Inside of it, we have an engineer. And David walks over to the pod, puts his ear to it, and hears a heartbeat. Oh, man, one of them is alive. Yeah, here we go. And and I wonder at this point if this if David is excited because of what he needs to do for his job or for what he wants to do for his own plan. 100% his own plan. He is devious. We cut to the team hauling ass back to Prometheus. Holloway is screaming. His skin is corrupting like our engineer in the beginning. The black substance, you see it creeping up his neck and all in his face. And his face is like pulsating. Uh, super sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they arrive at the ship and there's Vickers with a flamethrower. He's not coming all board. Everybody but Holloway back on the ship. And I'm like, yeah, Vickers. Holloway is tell Shaw he loves her. Walks right up to Vickers with his arms open. He's like, do it. She lights his ass up. He collapses on the floor on fire. Shaw's crying on the floor, losing her mind. Everything's fade. Everything fades. He's dead. Thank God. He was the hero in the end. He didn't want to get on the ship like I that. I mean, man. whatever. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you riled up about this it. guy, Holloway. You kidding me? <laughs> Shaw needs her a new man, a new engineer man. So we cut the Shaw passed out in the middle of the table. David's reaching around her neck to take her cross off. Uh, she wakes up. She grabs him. She tells him everyone needs to be tested. Everyone may be infected. He understands. He puts the cross on a little bottle. He's like, have you and Holloway had any intimate contact lately? Mm. And then he tells her that she's pregnant. Brutal. I thought she couldn't create life. Stupid Holloway. What? How? What is this? Three months pregnant? That's impossible. She had intercourse 10 hours ago. There's no way she is three months pregnant. David goes, it's not exactly a traditional fetus. Mm. She freaks out. She wants to see it. She wants to get it out of her. David's like, we'll freeze you and we'll take care of it when we get back to Earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when he turns, she wants to see the screen. And I guess the fetus is on the screen. He moves it. And in Alien... Ash is looking at it and Ripley goes or like right when Ripley walks in, he turns off like the monitor or whatever. So she can't see what's on there. It's super like, yeah, Shaw is definitely our Ripley and David is definitely our Ash. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just that's how I saw it. Yeah. And I think Ridley wanted to play with that a little bit and flip it around where he could. So Shaw's freaking out. She wants to see it. She wants to get this thing out of her body. And he's like, we'll take care of it when we get back to Earth. Dopes her up, hits her with the needle, and lays her out on the table. Mm. And he's like, do you feel like your God abandoned you? Mm. Becoming a real scumbag. Uh, Since Holloway died like your dad of Ebola. 
Mm. How the hell do you know? I watched your dreams. Yeah. Creepy. Creepy. And then he's out. He's in deep. So Shaw passes out. All right. It's coming. It's coming. Cut to her getting slapped in the face by, I believe, is the mother from The Witch, right? Yes. Time to go Betty buys. To slapping her, making sure she's knocked out. She's doped up. They go to grab her, put her in the freezer, and she wakes up and starts whooping ass and runs the hell out of the room already in horrible pain. Mm-hmm. She's running around the ship. She goes to Vicar's med pod. Mm. And now we have our milking of the alpacas moment. <laughs> you, you should cut in like that. You should record that. This is where, as we like to call it in any movie, thanks to color out of space, where the shit hits the fan. Right. This is our chest burster scene. She sets the pod for a C-section, but it's a male pod. Which is crazy, by the way. Isn't that Vicar's pod? It's a Vicar's room. Somebody messed up something. Yeah. She got the wrong one. Uh, So instead, she puts in abdominal surgery. This, this, this was like the barbarian thing, where the thing happens, and maybe you might not be all in, but after this, you're like, I am all in. This, yeah, yeah, this was some of the gnarliest crap I've ever seen in a movie in my life. Right, so she Shaw, goes in the pod. Shaw gets in the pod, and her stomach starts bulging out. Yeah. It is so gross. She's screaming. She's panicking. The machine sprays her with the anesthesia. Her stomach is still bulging, and then these lasers cut the bottom of her stomach open. Mm-hmm. It, she is screaming. She is selling it. She is overselling it. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, And then this other machine with arms spreads open the incision. More horrible agony she's going through. Mm -hmm. And then a claw machine, the little claw machine hand comes down. It picks it up. And there's there's this disgusting sack. It's the claw machine. It's just... So this horrific scene that I've seen a hundred times, which I kind of every time bothers me a little bit. Now... Maybe it won't because now I'm picturing like, oh, I was trying to get that that fuzzy. <laughs> what it won, what this claw machine won was a disgusting sack with an organism in it. And this is Shaw and Holloway's baby. Right. And this is a, the trilobite. Is, what is that what it's called? Okay. And, and what's amazing is when they film this scene – a lot of what's happening with her stomach, apparently she was also a really good, like kind of belly dancer. Oh my God. So she's doing some of that herself. They're embellishing. Um, and then they built that trilobite. So it's cable operated. So it's writhing around and, and, and they even say like, even that when they're filming that a few days on set, it was just a lot for everybody in general, pretty intense scene. And this is definitely Ridley's next crack at at the chestburster scene from from Alien for sure. Trip me out, still trips me out. Every yeah. time I, this is like it's my bathroom break when it starts happening. I'm like, I'm gonna go pee while this is happening. Yeah, <laughs> except you said the claw machine, so that's now what I yeah can't. yeah. And like so inside this sack, it 
opens and explodes and all the liquid in the sack her wound is still open yeah, and all awesome. of it goes back into yeah. the wound and they filmed that so they wrapped up this this trilobite that they made for that bursting scene and they put it inside a condom and like filled it with fluid and everything so they had it so it was like just one little and they took it out but there's just like a pinprick that goes on the side and that's what like explodes that um, so a lot wound. of practical effects, but awful. Into awful. the open wound, like yeah. so gross. Yeah. Uh, and the trilobite, it's like this octopus looking creature and it's yes. flailing around. Yeah, it has seven, I think it's seven, ten, seven uh, tentacles instead of eight. Uh, and she grabs the umbilical cord by her hand and rips it out of her stomach. Yeah. The machine staples are back up. She slips out of the pod. She locks the pod with this trilobite octopus thing inside of it. Uh, we cut to our captain. And she's our hero, by the way. I I stub my toe and I'm down on the floor for a few minutes. <laughs> Yo, I don't know. The pain that she went through and the shit that she does for the duration of this movie. Yes. Like, no way. Yes. No way. I would be crying. Crying. Yeah. I would have probably, yeah, I don't even know if I would have been able to go through the surgery. No, no, I don't think so. Uh, Yannick, our captain, says Fifefield's camera just popped up outside the ship. They open the door and there's Fifefield. But he is curled over backwards like a scorpion. He gets up, but it's, it's Fife, but he's deformed and he's now he's got gorilla strength. Uh, he starts killing these dudes left and right. I love it. He jumps on this one dude on his stomach. And when he lands on his stomach, the dude spits out blood into his helmet. And then Fife feels like a gorilla, like double fist smashes this guy's face <laughs> in. So sick. By the way, there's supposed to be 17 people on this crew, but it feels like so many more. Yeah. There's a lot of random dudes in the background. Yeah, those are the dudes that, that Vickers hired. Yeah, but it yeah. feels like I try to count in that scene where they're in the room to see how many people there. I think I got up to like 15. They're like stormtroopers. Yeah, they're just kind of just random guys working switches in the background. Uh, they're trying to light them on fire, but Five is just whooping everybody's ass. Uh, but then they run them over with the space car, and then they set them ablaze. And then we got Shaw stumbling around the ship. She just got back from her surgery. She's covered in blood. Opens a random door, and there's David. He looks at Shaw stunned. He's like, ugh, she did it. She took it out of her. And then there we see Wayland. He's alive. Mm -hmm. He's been in hypersleep the entire time. And this is where David kind of has to pretend that he still cares about Wayland. Because I'm sure his mind is on that baby. And, and what happened with that? And he's going to move forward with Whalen, but he's really wanting to know what happened with his other, the experiment that he made happen. That was like his baby. Yes. That was his baby. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Whalen only has a few days left to live. He wants to meet his maker. Shaw's like, they're all gone. And David's like, no, they're not. Mm. There's one alive and we're about to go see him. And Wayland says, uh, if they made us, surely they can save us. Or save me. Mm -hmm. Save you from what? Death, of course. This old bastard. 
Yeah, always he cares like, about himself. He's like a thousand. He's like he's like a thousand years old. I I think it's a good time. I'll, I'll jump in real quick. There's, I alluded to it. There's a lot of people who talk about Blade Runner connections to this movie, and Ridley certainly said things to lead people, pro- maybe on a wild goose chase. But in, in the DVD extra from '99, there's a thing called a Nostromo dossier. And it says in there that Dallas uh, took a paycheck from the Tyrell Corporation, which was the corporation made the replicants in Blade Runner. Um, and on this Prometheus Blu-ray, there's the Whalen files. And there's a document in there that Whalen is talking about his mentor slash competitor, Tyrell, who made mistakes by implanting false memories in his creations. Um and I think that implication is that he would have given them a soul by having these false memories. And then he states in this movie, right, that David does not have a soul. Um, both of them, ha- you know, obviously ended up with bad results. Um, and I think David continues to want to create. If he can't move backwards into a past, he wants to move forward and create and maybe get a soul from that um but i certainly think blade runner took place in 2019 so we flash forward you do some math probably wayland is you know in his he's probably in his mid to late 90s at this point he needs machines to attach to his body to be able to walk um but yeah just a kind of a cool little connection for people if there is an actual blade runner connection these guys he may have been Whalen's mentor. Very interesting. I did not know any of this. <laughs> Sean's like, God, he's a nerd. Blade I Runner. I, I can't wait till we dip into Blade Runner because uh, I know you love Blade Runner, and I, I don't. I think I've seen it once, and I don't even remember it. So we'll get into that soon, I'm sure. Uh, Shaw's telling them this place is not what they thought it was, uh, and the engineers are not who they thought they were. She was wrong. They were wrong. Holloway is dead. We have to leave. Who cares, Shaw? Who cares? Wayland says, what would Holloway do that they were so close to getting the answers to our questions? How can we leave? And then he goes, or have you lost your faith, Shaw? Slam. Now he's slam dunking on her. This must be where David gets it from. <laughs> so Shaw is cleaning herself up and she makes her decision. Decision. She's going. She's going to go for stupid Holloway. She's got the ring and she sees it and reminds her of him. So she's going. She takes a bunch of pain meds, straps on a suit, and in comes the captain, Yannick. You know what this place is? The engineers. This ain't their home. It's a military installation. Mm-hmm. Shit. And we saw the map. They were headed to, to Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put it here because they're not stupid enough to make weapons of mass destruction on their own doorstep. That's what everything in those vases is. They made it here. It got out. It turned on them. The end. Let's go home. So Shaw tells them they're still one alive. Don't you want to know what they have to say? And Yannick does not give a shit. He's like, no, I do not care. Let's go home. Oh, I agree with him a thousand percent. I'm gone. I mean, you can't be gone, I guess, because Waylon's going to go out, but they could leave without him. They could have just left without him. I mean, they do essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they do, but they don't get very far. No, they do not. <laughs> the hero Yannick. 
Uh, he's like, no matter what happens, this is it. The him being the hero, no matter what happens down there, none of that stuff is coming home. Uh, I'll do whatever I have to to make sure that it does not happen. So Vicar shows up in Waylon's room, and he is surprised to see her. He says she's always tried to stop him. She's got a very negative attitude. She should have stayed home, like you said. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not going to sit in some boardroom while you fly around outer space looking for aliens. She's like, a king has his reign, and then he dies. That is the natural order of things. And, and in that scene, there's like a posse behind her. There's like four other guys. The math doesn't work out for 17. Stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> They're just there. I don't. They said the number seventeen. Maybe it meant to be the seventeen that were actually doing the investigation, and they're not counting the rest of the crew. But tending to the ship. Yeah, yeah. Seventeen. These these guys don't count. Maybe they're androids. I I don't know. I don't know. But there's there's like a lot. They just come rolling in in those suits out of nowhere. Where do these guys come from? They got a trillion dollars to put in that ship. There's hidden. It's like the hidden place under Disney where they got those secret valleys they can go through and no one can see them. And what do they know about this trip? Yeah. They Are know they how feel, to they, they they fill them to, in about this. No, they just got to sit there while uh, David cleans Wayland's feet sores. <laughs> uh, she goes to kiss Wayland's hand and he pulls it away. He hates her. He's like, Is there anything else? And she goes, No father oh. so that's it Wayland is her dad or the person who created her or the person who created her like <laughs> her created david yes we cut to david who walks in the room where shaw is standing in her suit and he goes i didn't think you had it in you mm. sorry poor choice of words oh slam dunk dunking all over these humans zingers david's bringing zingers if when the machines take over they're this witty and sharp i'm all for it she asks what david's gonna do when wayland isn't around to program him anymore he's like i suppose i'll finally be free Mm. doesn't every child want their parents dead Mm. so both of his kids hate wayland they both hate him and she's like uh i didn't i didn't want my parents dead and, and David, I certainly think, oh, I'm so sorry. No, it was just that David just laughs in her face and walks away. I certainly think that line alludes to David also wanting the last engineer to be dead. Like maybe he wants Whalen to have his moment, but he wants to kill him off so that he can take their place. So every kid wants their parent dead so they can replace them. And in that way, he wants to replace the engineers. He's already experimented once. We know he will again in another movie i i I think he's going there hoping that they can wipe out that last engineer and everyone else and he can start to create life oh and so he could be the new engineer yes okay yes and that's what he's saying like whalen will be gone we'll all be gone we wipe it out and i'm gonna take their place and i think i never thought that before until you see what happens in in the later film and and that scene had different weight to me for for that we're gonna have to talk about that other film i think you're definitely more of a fan of it than i am it'll be a fun podcast definitely (laughs) but we got to do it because we got to get to alien and there's only one way to get there chronologically if we're doing it correctly (laughs) 
you laid out this plan of chronological. Yeah, this is my own order, damn so fault. It's my own damn fault. You gotta go forward nah, with nah, it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dedicate myself to it. It's all right. So they all head to the structure, and David tells Waylon to take off his helmet because the air is breathable. And Shaw's like, wait, we don't know if Holloway died because the air is contaminated. And David's like, it's not. She's like, how the hell do you know? And all he does is give her a look. Mm-hmm. Like, I killed him, bitch. Hmm. She's not, but she don't say nothing. Like, mm-hmm. she's just like, oh, no way. So Shaw <laughs> walks into the room full of canisters, and she's reporting it back to the ship. There are thousands of canisters. The captain is pissed. He looks at the map and notices, there it is. They're inside of a ship. And this is the same ship, I believe, that they walk into in Alien 1, right? Or not, not like the same style of ship, not on. Yeah. So the the derelict. I thought it was the ship until Mm -hmm. you did let us know that we're not on LV, the correct LV planet. 426 moon, moon, moon. So they're inside (laughs) of, yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. There'll be a quiz. There's going to be an LV quiz. Fail. I'm going to fail. I didn't even know it was a different LV until you said it in this podcast. And, and, and we're a few weeks away from, uh, Alien Day, which is uh, April 26th. So we'll see what cool stuff they put out that day. I mean, we're going to get to Alien eventually. It's definitely going to be far after that, but it's coming. It's coming. So they're all inside of the ship. David's walking them into the room with all the pods. He's figured out that they were in the process of leaving before things went wrong. They were coming to Earth. Why? Because sometimes to create one must destroy. So he walks over to the pod with the living engineer. David opens up the pod and the engineer begins waking up. Uh, it's like Neo when he comes out of the thing in the Matrix with all the wires in him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like unplugging as he gets up. It looks really damn cool. Yeah. And they said in production that the engineers were supposed to be kind of like a style-wise a cross between the Statue of Liberty, Da Vinci's David okay. Sculpture, okay. and Elvis. Okay. <laughs> the lips yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's pretty funny uh it looks around it steps out and shaw starts immediately barking at it you know where where are you from what's in your cargo uh you made it here it was meant for us why do you hate us what did we do wrong and uh wayland's like what what is this woman doing shut her up so this dude just hits her in the stomach her weak spot they're just like this quickly hit her in the stomach shut her up so David begins talking to the engineer, I guess, in its native tongue. Yes. And I think there's somewhere there's subtitles that you could pick up where they actually tell you what they're saying. I didn't look it up. I kind of like it better not knowing. I was going to say, what does David say to him? Like, kill everybody in this room except me. Or like, I don't know. What is like, I wanted to know what he he. So somebody send it to us. Yeah, let us know at InMadnessPod. I should have looked that up. But it pets him. He says it and it pets him. Mm -hmm. And he looks delighted. And then it picks him up and it rips his goddamn head off. (laughs) And then it smacks Wayland with the head. With the head. It's instantly a weapon. And then it starts whooping everybody's ass. All, All 118 of these 17 crew members. So Shaw runs away, okay? Help me with this. Wayland, dying, says there's nothing? Mm-hmm. Does he say that? 
I think so. Yeah. There's nothing. I don't know. What is that? I don't know what he means. And then David I says, I know. Have a good journey, sir. Maybe he's seeing his death. You know, when people say they pass away, they'll see a white light or yeah. they'll see something. Maybe he's hoping he'd see something at that there's moment. Nothing. And there's nothing. It's like the computer program just shutting down. Yeah. That's it. Wayland dies right there on the spot. Vickers is on the ship and she's like, it's time to go home. She got her wish. Her dad's dead. The engineer opens up the structure in the middle of the room. And there it is. The big, what is it? Gun mm-hmm. or controlling device. I think that's be the navigation system. The navigation for this, system for this uh, ship. And the suit wraps around him. It's really cool how, how that happens. And as soon as he locks into that, that's when it starts to kick in. And that is the image on. we see. Not the same one exactly, but that is what we see, what they see in Alien 1 right. when, they, when they find the ship. And that's also why it looked bigger, because he's already big with this weird suit around him. or if, And then this other suit comes around him, very biomechanical looks alive almost i dig it it doesn't look very comfortable it doesn't look like he has much room to wiggle around in that goddamn thing but uh yeah i hope it's not a long flight like <laughs> i mean they better be flying through the light years like nothing i'm sure yeah, it didn't take I mean, them four years of hypersleep to get to where they had to get to yeah i mean i mean i don't know how do they navigate this this ship maybe they have to be tapped in maybe i mean the this ship is you know, originally designed by Giger, it's very biomechanical. It's very natural looking in a lot of ways. Um, so d- because that suit wraps around them and it looks very organic, do they operate the ship rather than just be, you know, it, it's like a mental thing or they're yeah. tapped into it yeah. biologically and they're operating in that way, maybe? Maybe they go into some sort of trance or something. I don't know. It's pretty cool. So he's getting ready to take off in this ship. And our Captain Yannick notices the ship's about to take off. Shaw begins running back. But the floor is opening underneath her from the engineer's ship about to take off. That's so cool looking, too. The the way it opens. Yeah, so cool. And she's just running like hopscotch, jumping from plate to plate. Not sure how she made it. Not sure how she could be jumping all over the place right now. With her gut. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, don't understand it. But more... They're trying to like make like Ripley, her and Ripley going head to head, kicking each other's ass. Who's the tougher chick? (laughs) Uh, She tells the Prometheus, the ship is taking off and you have to stop it. If you don't, there's not going to be a home to go back to. It's carrying death and it's headed for Earth. So Yannick's like, this is not a warship. And she's like, I know, but you said no matter what, it can't make it back. So you have to stop it. So Vickers is like, nah, we're going home. And Yannick's like, get in the escape pod if you want to live, because we're not going home. Mm. He makes well, that decision for the other two guys, too, and they're on board. He he told them they could go. Yeah, They had a little touching moment where they were like, you're a shit pilot. You can't do this by yourself. Yeah, I'm gone. I'm sorry. Figure it out. Yo, you, that's it. You're in the pod with Vickers. I'll yeah. find out if he's a robot or not. Yeah, I'm in that pod. They I got two could, years of lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they said you could have, you know, you have enough food and drink and everything you need in that pod. I'm I'm in there. Oh, my Lord. That's funny. That's super funny. Uh, she runs to the pod as Yannick's getting ready to 
set up the ship for impact. Her life support pod pops out of the ship, crash lands. Yannick and his boys hit the ion propulsion. It launches the Prometheus like a bullet. Hands up. Mm-hmm. Boom. Hits the engineer's ship. Explodes in midair. And it comes crashing back down to Earth. <laughs> and while it's crashing, it ends up rolling over and crushing Vickers. And I wonder if the engineer is dead. It's uh, still in one in a pretty good piece. Well, I mean, that's that's yeah, I think that's who comes running in at at a later moment. <laughs> uh, Come on, I'm trying to give people I'm trying. <laughs> we ruined the whole movie. I was trying to give him one more moment set up. I was like, do you really not know? No, I was uh, trying to give him one moment that we didn't ruin completely. a little tease. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't give you a heads up on it. So you just thought I lost my mind. I was like, it's what okay. the hell? What's the- wrong with this guy? The ship falls and somehow lands right on top of Shaw without crushing her. Uh, Hmm. She's got two minutes of oxygen left. She hauls ass over to Vickers pod and it still has the med machine in it with the trilobite or the trilo, whatever the gigantic tentacle squid monster that she gave birth to. Uh, It's huge. Now it's grown exponentially. Mm Mm-hmm. And then David messages Shaw with just his head. You need to get out of there immediately. He's coming for you. And who? And my stupid ass. <laughs> Here comes the engineer that I guess survived. Thanks for keeping me on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I'm such a dumbass. <laughs> so Shaw immediately goes, die, and hits the hatch, and it opens up her big tentacle baby's door. And it grabs the engineer and shoots a tentacle down its throat. And basically it humps the engineer until it passes out. Right. And this is this fight scene between the two of them is amazing. It's part practical, part CGI. Uh, and they do an amazing job. They built this trilobite, but they just used it kind of as like a stand-in. Um, this is this is one of the things that Stranger Things probably borrows some stuff from for sure. It's got a bunch of mouths. It's mm. got the, the thing, things that come out of it and pull the head in like rubber bands. Yeah. Uh, so dope. But then it gets the best of the engineer. Uh, so Shaw's outside crying. And then David's head messages her again. Uh, Without me, you will never get out of here. It's not the only ship. There are many others and I can operate them. So Shaw's hauling back to the ship. She goes and grabs David's head but not before getting back her cross that he took from her. Mm-hmm. She puts it around her neck and David's like, you still believe after all this. <laughs> and she's like, can you use their navigation? And he's like, yeah, I can find a path back to earth. And she's like, uh-uh. I don't want to go to earth. I want to go to where they came from. Can you do that? <laughs> and he's like, what do you hope to achieve by doing that? They created us and then they wanted to kill us. I want to know why. David's like, it's irrelevant. Does it matter why they changed their minds? And she's like, yeah. And he doesn't get it. And she says that's because he's a robot. Mm-hmm. She puts his head in a bag, apologizes. They have a nice little cute moment, lowers it to the ground. And then we see a shot of another ship taking off. Mm-hmm. Final report of the vessel Prometheus. The ship and her entire crew are gone. 
If you are receiving this transmission, make no attempt to come to its point of origin. Mm-hmm. There is only death here now, and I am leaving it behind. It's New Year's Day, 2094. I am Elizabeth Shaw, last survivor of the Prometheus, and I'm still searching. New ship- Year's Day. Baby New Year's. New Year's, there it is. Christmas movie. <laughs> Christmas movie. The ship blasts off into space. Cut to black. The end, sort of. Is that message Elizabeth Shaw left the message that Ripley's ship picks up? No. It's no. a different message. It's a different message. Yeah. Okay. You the, know there's to be a fact? Well, I mean, it's a different location. I guess, yeah. So, yeah, yeah there right. has to be. I think that part of the script is probably some leftovers from when they originally were going to make it. LV 426. I like how it ended similar to Alien with Ripley's message as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then you think it's over, but then it's not. Because we cut back to these blinking shots of our giant engineer and his body's fidgeting. This large spike pops out of his chest. Mm -hmm. And this black xenomorph creature just pours out onto the floor. There's all these guts and the heart beating and everything is on the floor. It slowly gets up. And looks like what we got here is a little baby alien xenomorph in its like first form. So they call this one the Ultramorph. Okay. It's coming from the engineer. Um, so it's not exactly a xenomorph because it's not crossed with the same DNA, but from from the engineer. And they call this the Deacon. They refer to this in the production as the Deacon. So it, it we get that. screams and the mouth pops out and that's what you're waiting for yeah and then it cuts to black and that's it the end prometheus that's it and and so we do get our complete so our our life cycle here is the engineer so we get the black goo and shaw gives birth to the baby the child yeah i wrote i wrote down a little bit of a breakdown so it wasn't the alien that was killing the engineers they were just dying i guess from exploding or whatever uh, when they got the black goo, like they would Pro- just... probably from the black goo. What what more? What happened to Fifield than yeah? So then David put it in Halloway. Halloway got Shaw pregnant. Right. She birthed the octopus creature. Yeah, trilobite, and then the trilobite mated with the engineer, mm-hmm. and that gave us our ultramorph. Yeah, the deacon. Yep. <laughs> so an early version of of xenomorph very cool i man i loved this movie it was very polarizing because i loved this movie and i went to other people who loved alien who i thought would love this movie and they were like i hated it so i don't understand how you can dislike this movie i think what bothered people is what we talked about earlier with the space jockey yeah, and kind of given an answer to that that they didn't want to hear. Um, and and there's certainly a lot of Lovecraftian horror to this, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, went through the plot of At the Mountains of Madness, but in other ways, it's not because it, it's very much a menu, an explanation. We did this. We went to part. They there's parts of this movie where they just directly explain to us. Hey, that Yannick's like they went there, and sometimes it's to kill it, wipe it out, you know, make life, kill it, let's get out of here. They, they're so they explained a lot, and I think, I think a lot of people had had it 
built up in their heads over 30 years. Ridley Scott's going to return to this movie and we're going to get a whole mess of xenomorphs running around. Um, And I think they all forgot that Ridley Scott is the filmmaker he is because if you think he's going in one direction, he goes in a completely different direction. And that's what makes what he does so amazing. That's how these movies, people grab onto these movies for years and years and years. Alien was a success at the box office. Blade Runner was not, but years later people gravitate towards it. And it's, and it's a huge thing for a lot of people. And I think Ridley played with that. They went, it's not a direct prequel. We're not going to see how that ship ended up there. Um, It's going to be similar enough, but we want to make a new story and we want to center our story on the creation of man instead. And I think that kind of annoyed people. I'll, I'll partly say I think it annoyed people because of aliens and we'll get to that at a later date. Yeah. That's why I got to do the sequel to this because you got to do the sequel to alien, which I give it the take spoiler alert. I don't hate aliens at at all, but But you're also not a huge fan of it. I'm not a huge fan, but it, it, (laughs) but it's a different type of film, but we, we, we've got time to talk about that, but I think that we want to know what you thought about this friggin' movie, Prometheus. Did you see it in theaters? Do you have it on Blu-ray? Do you watch it constantly? Do you think it's a Christmas movie? Let us know on the socials at in madness pod. We're also at in madness pod at gmail.com. Also on YouTube, like subscribe, comment, uh what else did you get all your gnarly bits in i got all the gnarly bits in. i threw a lot in the beginning because i knew there was a lot to talk about just in, about the film later on um i'm at at vertebrae 33 on all the socials i just appreciate anyone listening to us being involved uh it's amazing to to do this and get to talk about these movies that we love so much and have people listen to it comment enjoy it uh, I've heard from quite a few people that say they're just having a good time listening to it. And that's amazing. That's, you know, just, just a beautiful thing. And, you know, if you've got any connections for Prometheus or alien universe to Blade Runner, send, send them, send them my way. So when I can't sleep at night, I can just be laying in bed and thinking about this is it. Like uh, in seven being Gotham city. <laughs> But I appreciate it so much. Do you want to tease our next episode? Oh, man. Episode nine. Do we say the director? I want to jump into a whole series of movies from this director. I don't know if we say the director. That might that I might mean, be too clear of a sign. Of it, uh, it rhymes with nine. <laughs> and it's episode nine. Just like we did seven for seven. What could we possibly do with nine? Well, awesome. Thank you very much, everybody. Take care. This has been another great episode of In Madness Pod.